0: Do you love racing? Then you've come to the right place. We discuss current topics in most asphalt series, as well as deep dives into the history of racing, race cars, and the drivers. I'm NASCAR driver, Derek Cope. I share some of my personal stories, as well as highlighting those people that shaped my career and others.
1: I'm Alicia Cope, and we also take on controversial and engaging topics on many subjects, including NASCAR, as well as tips and tricks that have worked for us in building teams from scratch, keeping relationships, and finding new roads.
0: Hopefully our experiences will inspire you to reach your own goals. Let's get started. Welcome back, Race Theory. This is episode 30 and there is a lot of controversy. And this is kind of interesting because it kind of falls right in line and expands on our last episode. And that was about BOP and the, the balance of performance. and Keeping parity in the sport and making it interesting, and lo and behold, we have now entered into Louvergate. <laughs> so, you know the uh, uh, instead of you know Nixon involved, we have got Hendrick Motorsports. <laughs> so, interesting enough, it is about you know the fact that you know with the new NASCAR Next Gen this car is a spec car and as we have alluded to in the past it is all the same parts and they are not to be altered from the suppliers so we've already seen some things happen in the past you know where I think it was with um Keselowski and Roush Racing you know their their team they had altered the roofs on the car at Daytona and got their hands slapped and there was some some things there i don't know exactly what all the fines and things were but uh, there was you know some, some punishment and some punishment for that which nascar you know has been in that mode for quite some time they have punished the teams with financial you know penalties like when you have a major penalty, an L2 penalty is a major penalty infraction, and then the severity is higher with the amount of money that they hand out, and they hand out typically, you know, a money fine as well as points. So that's been kind of the norm here, and I think a lot of it was brought on when they allowed sports betting.
1: Well, for certain, there wasn't near as severe of, of fines like pre-2018.
0: yes. And I remember when we were with Starcom as the team principal there, you know, the team manager for the organization. I was going to all of the owners' meetings and was privy to listening to all the things that would happen, you know, in the beginning of the years about the marketing strategies and you know where we were at as as a as a series and you know how we were doing on ratings and things like that. Well, then there was the the time that we did to start to discuss when they were basically uh, approving the betting and sports betting became you know obviously it's been very prominent over the years and, has and been, NASCAR wanted it and they did and uh, you know it was run it was you know pretty well I mean in, in Europe you know it's pretty widespread and they're betting on about everything in sports over there but they have a very structured system of, of checks and balances. And there is actual organizations that are solely dedicated to monitoring and setting guidelines and parameters that are very stringent and do not allow for you know, the fixing and you know, the changing the spreads and doing the things that could alter you know, and, and mislead the, the general public and the betting you know, going on for um, you know, these games. So when this was all transpiring with NASCAR, It was very interesting to be in those meetings and to listen to um, the very high level involvement and all the things that NASCAR were putting in place. And they discussed it at length. And it really was, I think, starting out at the top with all the owners trying to emphasize, you know, just how important this was, that it needed to filter down from the top to. The organization and the people working there on the cars, and the people making the strategy calls and all the things, um, you know, in there, and to to really to try to get the word across that look, we have a responsibility as an entertainment business and this sport to not diminish um, what we're about to let into the sport and take on for the very first time in sports betting. So I again I was I was very intrigued by it all because of the level of, you know, excitement and intensity. And, um, and I think, you know, there was a lot of forethought about, you know, the circumstances of what could transpire, what could happen and just how much it can, you know, affect the sport itself. And so, you know, I remember, you know, being at, uh, Miami at Homestead Miami raceway in one of the cup races before all this happened. And this was right before the sports betting was going to come about and it was, I think it was premium motorsports and one of the, it was the back markers running for the bottom three positions. Rick Ware. Rick Ware, a couple. And so it was all that type of that group of that deal. And right at the end of the race, there was a lot of rhetoric on the radio and um, you know, the people were coming on, the crew chiefs were coming on board talking about, you know, Problems with the car and this and that and throttles with something. And they were saying all these things and trying to get their drivers to manipulate the ending of the race. Well, Eggleston said something that was very telling. Yes, Yes. it was. I wasn't going to bring up the name, but you did. (laughs) So you threw him under the bus. But anyways, yes, there was some things said. And, you know, obviously it just opened up a can of worms and there were repercussions. And it really was like the first real, I think, time that knowing what was coming of age or coming about, they were, you know, I guess poised to set a precedent. And they did. And they docked points and they took them out of, you know, it was a major amount of money that they would have won and, and docked them points. And I think we ended up, you know, being in it and moving up a position. And um, so, you know, anytime that you gain a spot in the points uh, and all those things, you're, you're there's a lot of money involved and, and opportunities for next year. And obviously, you know, having egg on your face with sponsors as well. So there was a lot at stake, but I think that really set a precedent. And then You know, when I started hearing all that in the uh, owners' meetings, it was it was very interesting. So I think that is probably, you know, a major reason why they will not tolerate this type of you know infractions, and they're going to you know stand tall. And uh, like the old good old days, we talked about having you know the Gazaways and Bill France Jr. and Senior, and them uh, you know pretty much you know handing down things with an iron fist. Well. I think they're pretty much inclined to do that now. They don't really care who it is. And I think that they have now done that. Uh, And they've made an example of Hendrick Motorsports. And with Louvergate, which was only part of it, I think there was still some discrepancies, and I'm not really sure or privy to who had what, but Colleg Racing was involved in that as well. And there was some talk about Louvers. And there was also talk about the radiator ducting system where air comes in and that there were some alterations and some modifications made, uh, you know, to that as well. So that those areas there are, you know, are taboo, you know, when you start messing with the air and start moving the air through the louvers, you're exiting air from underneath the car, you're changing, you know, uh, a major, a factor of the balance of the race car. and. As we all know, you know, all these teams are looking for an edge. And at this stage, as we alluded to before, you're stacking pennies, you know, so you are looking for every little thing you can acquire, you know, to stack in your favor uh, to create more downforce or, you know, change the drag of the car and get it through the air better, especially when you start coming to these restrictor plate races. Um, but you know, there are serious things that happen to these cars because they're sealed up. There is a complete belly pan under these cars. You know, you've got everything sealed up. That's why the cars are so hot. They've had so many issues. So anytime you can manipulate the air coming through and, and around and out the exit of those ducts in the hood, you are gener- you are changing a lot of things.
1: So I have a question and I'm sure our listeners are asking this. So if you're not very familiar with the anatomy of the next gen car, explain what exactly does a louver do and how could that give you an advantage to what Hendricks did with it? And do you think the punishment fits the crime?
0: Well, first of all, to know exactly what they did I can't speak to it you know to a a certain degree because i don't know exactly what they did but if you look at the next gen car the next gen car takes air in the front of the car and into a radiator duct and then it also splits off the radiator duct and it goes through into an actual scoop scooping affair that goes straight into the throttle body which is the air induction portion of the car itself so And they have these other fixtures inside there, these plates that have different size holes in there that you can change and make adjustments on. So you either can speed up the air or slow down the air going into the throttle body, you know, which then you, you know, you have an EFI system which manages all that. And you've got, you know, sensors that adjust all the engine uh, for all this, you know, change in fuel and air mixtures and stuff. So, so there's a lot of things going on there. And then they have these other ducts that come off of the air off the front of the car that funnel to the louvers and the air exits out the louvers. And that is um, a way to let the air out from underneath the car, which would create normally create lift in the car. Because when the air goes in and gets trapped underneath, it creates lift. With this, this allows the car to create downforce and let the air exit. And it also disturbs the air. That the car is actually, you know, doing in the back, which helps the cars in the back suck up to in like a drafting situation. So it's, there's like a number of elements and things that happen with all of this. So by changing that and uh, and adjusting all that, you are just looking for an increase in speed in the car and a way to, you know, manipulate the air because
1: you're getting more air to the throttle body.
0: Well, that and or you are getting it exiting out the car differently, and for whatever reason. Um, now this is just knowing what I've had limited amount of time working with, never would have been in the wind tunnel with it to know exactly, you know, what would help if you changed it or altered it aerodynamically, right? I don't know that. Uh, but that's what typically is what's happening, what's transpired. But the as far as the penalty and the level of the penalty, you know, is it, you know, in line? Well, I think it's hard to just say they have mandated what is and what is not an L2 penalty, and that is one of them. You cannot alter a supplied part. They are to stay as they are produced and and gone through the system. So sources. would it be
1: safe to say that when this piece was altered, whoever did it had clear knowledge that this was against the rules? Yes. Okay. So it couldn't have been one of those things, well, well we didn't quite know if that was going to fly or not, but we thought we would try it.
0: Well, again that's what you would think when when you alter a part and there's specific rules and people know the rules you are not to alter these parts but then you know when they went to the appeal process you know Hendrick Motorsports basically was saying that in their documentation that it was documented that it was inconsistent and unclear communication about these parts and then there was some discrepancies about there's things that I've been hearing you know the rhetoric about the suppliers inability to produce the same part, that there was some disparity in some of the louvers coming out and that, you know, this was an issue. So well,
1: that could be completely believable.
0: It, it is. You're talking about, you know, you know, when you start getting to CNC components, right, when the tooling gets, you know, dull or gets, you know, off or the settings get miskewed, just get skewed, then you basically are producing a part that is not correct. Like, you know, I remember in the past we've had, you know, pistons problems and there was a problem with the machining and the CNC. So, you know, when a piston doesn't meet the parameters, right, then it has opportunity to, uh, to fail. So again, I'm talking from a standpoint, I don't know the reality of what all has happened just from what I have understood or heard, but, and you, you have to believe that. This car, the majority of these parts, I know when we first got all of our parts for our first two cars and per- started putting that first one together, there were a lot of quality control issues with those parts. All the little nut, floating nut uh, zerts, and all the things on the body panels would, like, you know, they would come right off. You try to screw a bolt in it, they would break off. The epoxy was not the right epoxy. It didn't wasn't done correctly. So then you had to go and you couldn't, then you would, they'd get stuck. And you'd have to like pull the thing completely apart. It was very counterproductive to, you know, getting the car together and having it stay together. So there you could see that there was just a lot of quality control issues. They were behind schedule and they were just barely getting enough parts to us to be able to get ready to go to that first test. So, you know, I would think that over time, they have controlled and, and, you know, and fixed a lot of these issues. But again, you know, they're producing a lot of parts. They're going through a lot of parts and they, I'm sure that, you know, like anything, they are changing parts constantly as NASCAR did before us. I mean, we had bought all the A-frames and uprights. And then all of a sudden they said, well, these A-frames are not legal. They're not going to work. We're going to go change them. We're like, I went in a meeting I had with NASCAR. I was like, well, are you guys paying for the new uprights since these aren't correct? We bought these in good faith and these are supposed to be what you said was an approved part. And they said, well, no, you know, we're not. You know, you can just use those for a show car. And I said, well, we don't have a show car. So what does that mean? So I just eat these parts. And that was it. That was the attitude. The attitude was they, you know, and the way I looked at it was this is on you. You made the mistake. You produced these parts. You designed these parts, and you put them in our hands, saying these were a design part ready to go to put on a race car to get ready to go. And it didn't work. didn't all of a sudden, and they were braking. That's when they started doing the testing and having all the problems with the car not really getting crash tested before they actually produced it. And then they were like playing catch-up. So it was really a very interesting and unique time in the sport. And, you know, again, NASCAR has never been one to want to own up to a mistake. They will not have egg on their face. And, you know, they will, they will defer that somewhere else. And, you know, gotta be careful what you say if you're still in NASCAR, because I heard that, uh, Denny Hamlin, uh, from what he said after the incident with him and, uh, Chastain in the last race that, uh, he, you know, he wrecked Chastain in the last lap and he said it on his podcast and they find him. So, I mean, you know, I, it's crazy, you know, the level of, you know, (laughs) what these guys I guess that's the one
1: good thing about us not uh, Uh, running a a cup team anymore, huh? I guess, well, I I guess I
0: can't get a job back there because I'm, you know, I'm spilling my guts (laughs) here. It's kind of a shaky deal here. Uh, But anyways, I mean, you know, but you do have to understand really the magnitude of what they took on and what they've done. And, you know, you're, I don't care who it is. When you have a company, you have a business and you start processes, you make mistakes. You don't have the right things and you learn as you go. And that's basically what they did. So, um, interesting, interesting.
1: Well, and I want to say just a little bit about the betting, um, because I think it did really, um, impact the penalties in my opinion, um, and I was noticing how, and I know this has been going on since Daytona, but it took me a little bit, a little uh, um, late on the uptake, to notice how much advertising Foxbet is doing, um, even in driver introductions. For each one of the drivers, you know what their odds are. And, you know, legalizing sports betting for NASCAR was a big deal. And I remember when there were certain states that allowed it. We would go after those sponsors in those states for those casinos and, and those sports books. But now, um, I did a little research. There is, um, several it used to be just one or two, um, starting with DraftKings. Now there's DraftKings, Points Bet, Unibet, Caesars, and then of course this FoxBet, um, which is legal now, in Colorado, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. But they do a lot of advertising right there. Um, you know, during, um, pre-race and, and when the drives are being introduced. And I think it's, um, an interesting point, um, that betting is going to be a little bit different for other sports and other athletes. Uh, for example, the NFL, the NBA, I mean, that's a team sport. Um, sure. I'm, you know, I'm sure in history, and of course there has been instances where they can throw a game, but it's you know, usually those athletes are, you know, given hundred percent all the time. And then if you narrow it down to maybe horse racing or boxing, where you just have two athletes or the horse and the athlete makes it a little bit more pinpointed, but it makes it really difficult in NASCAR where you've got the athlete, the driver, you've got the car, which I know they're trying to keep with the next gen car, all the parts similar and the parody the same, but you know, money does buy more performance you know, because they can afford more personnel and, and you know, like you said, wind tunnel time and all kinds of things. So even beside the parts piece of the puzzle, bigger organizations are still going to have a leg up. And then you've got the entire team during any race, you know, with the crew chief and the car chief and the tire specialist and the spotter. And then the pit crew is a whole other team within there that could either make or break that race or could throw a race. So I'm just kind of putting that out there that how different do you think it is from a sports betting standpoint that NASCAR is a completely different animal?
0: Well, let me speak to the beginning of your comment. There, you know, there's a lot of different organizations and betting and things going on. You know, know, again, we have seen actual car sponsorship with MGM You know, on the car, on on RCR and things like that, and so I think what's if I remember right, when we were discussing all that and looking at that, when we were still with Starcom, I think that it's pretty much as long as it's not offshore. I think that you know you can, you can. There's online bettings that I think are legal, and you can do things with and sponsorship. But I think the only thing is it has to be within you know the United States. I think, and um, it can't be offshore. Is what I believe, and I could be mis. Misspoken about that, but um, you know, I think that's really the parameters as far as who can do it. But it it's very very big. It's it's out there and it's very prominent. Uh, to speak to, you know, I guess the team element.
1: Well, how you could change the how game. you could alter the game. Right. Well, I think for betting purposes.
0: Well, as I alluded to about prior to you know the sports betting deal is when you manipulate. Your pos- finishing position—that is a manipulation of the rules and of the actual game or sport, right? Correct. Or event. So those types of things. So when you hear, and I think you—you know—you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt to some degree because you listen about, you know, you have the same things happening in the races when you have multiples team team cars. So you have people helping and pushing each other, but you know, as you've always said. And alluded to. There's no there's no team orders when push comes to shove. They're all in it for themselves and they're very selfish and they want to win and they just as soon wreck their mother than, you know, basically, you know, take a take a loss. So no teammates. No. So when it I think when you look at the greediness and the you know the egos and all the things in the sport, you don't have, you know, a black socks, you know, type of, you know. (laughs) uh, you know, organized deal happening, right? These people are, you know, you know, out there, they're spending large sums of money. They are in it to win it. And the drivers themselves, you know, uh, from being one, I mean, you, you really have no regard for anybody else. And I know I don't want to go wreck somebody and to do it. I just, I never raced that way. And there was sort of a, um, an unsaid ethic when i was racing you know back in our our day in our era you know where we just there was respect for your individual and you you had to go past the guy you could rub on him you could do things rubbing's race and we get it but we weren't just flat ass wrecking people at the end of races for the win and maybe Earnhardt did it a couple times but (laughs) you know that was more like you know payback well that was you know, he just wanted to rattle his cage, you know, Mm -hmm. at Bristol and Terry got Terry, you know, so, you know, there's always a way to get around it, you know, when you did that. But, but for the most part, you, you really were, you know, going to race purple people relatively clean and, you know, do it the right way. And I think that's how we were brought up and that's how, you know, the mentality was. And then in somewhere along the way, once those, those drivers started exiting the sport and retiring, there was an influx of the younger guys coming through the thing that were learning a different way to race. And they were taking people out to win races at no cost. And, you know, they were going to win it at, at no, at all costs. Right. So, and I think that dynamic finally crossed over and changed and that became the norm versus the way it was before. And, you know, and that's why, you know, you see the, the way that, um, you know, things are being dealt with now, in my opinion. But I think the one thing I want to get back to really too is, you know, you said, you asked me about trying to, you know, was this really, you know, I guess fitting for the amount of money that it costs these teams and the level of the penalty. And in my opinion, you know, yeah, I think it is. I think if you look at what they did, I mean they they pretty much took, um, you know, all four or five crew chiefs that it was. I mean, you're talking Cliff. Dan- you're ta- these are high level guys that the you know some of the best in the business, right? And they sat Cliff Daniels and Alan Gustafson and Rudy Fugel, Trent Owens, Blake Harris. They all sat these guys down for four weeks. They are you know now they're in the war rooms. The war rooms. If you don't know what a war room is, a war room is like. A, a, you know, a facility. Command headquarters. Command headquarters, right? All the telemetry is there. All these, with all the news technology now, you can actually run the race from control, from command central. You know, this is like basically, you know, NASA. And they got all these TVs and fixtures and monitors, and they know everybody else's fuel mileage. They know what they took for tires. And they got this group of people and engineers running the race from there and well, the top
1: teams to, to about the the mid pack teams, like our Starcom never has that. Had is that is correct.
0: Yeah. All the way down to like, you know, I know that the uh, star, I mean, uh, JTG Doherty has it, right. but it's a smaller group, like 10, 12 people. But the higher, bigger ones that have more engineers, more people, and there's, you know, more access to information. Right. But It does happen. They, they have a, they have a place that they call the race from and, you know, it's being monitored back and forth. So the telemetry is all, you know, interconnected. So very intriguing when you look at really the level of, uh, involvement, right. From an organization. And, but you know, here's these crew chiefs, they've gone, but they have so much depth They bring in in quality guys that were crew chiefs, you know, that are now on other projects, you know, like Greg Ives, who just retired from being Chase Elliott's crew chief, right, or left from, he's doing the other, like the Garage 56 Le Mans program, you know, he was taking over and doing something, so they have such depth. It really is not as big a deal. But still, the synergy between the crew chief and the driver, it is disruptive, right?
1: So they can be in the war rooms, but they cannot be communicating with the driver. That
0: is correct. They can't be at the racetrack. Right. They can't be at the racetrack. They have to, they cannot. But they could
1: still be giving their knowledge from the war room. That is correct. Yes. And they can have interaction there.
0: So, uh, but they also lost a 100, the the fines were $100,000 each. So each yeah, that was four hundred thousand dollars out of the Hendrick Motorsports organization, right? That's 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 pretty. That was large the largest sum in of money. That's yeah, the largest in history of a, for a single organization, right? And they lost hundred uh, owners points and ten playoff points. And then the drivers lost the same. I think they lost a hundred points. Well, and that could be uh, crucial in a championship. Yes. So, you know, it comes down to one, two, three points, lots of times, right. To get in the playoffs or not in the playoffs, right. If you don't win a race, right. So there's a lot of, you know, underlining things that really, you know, can hurt the organization as they go. And then there's this other thing that's kind of the elephant in the room right now is, you know, now that Chase Elliott's hurt, right. And he's outside that deal. He's not affected by that. But there is some, you know, and again, I so convoluted for me, I don't even know all the things going on there. But, you know, for him to come back, he's given some type of, you know, I don't know what you call it, a mulligan of some sort for being hurt. So he gets to come back and resume in the the car. And how
1: do you feel about that? Because- I mean, the louvers had nothing to do with the drivers. In fact, the drivers that were well, again, in the cars I probably may, didn't even know. I may be know.
0: talking out of sorts because I don't know exactly the whole thing, but I know that he gets to come back in, right? And there could be it could be a deal where it doesn't really hurt him as badly if he comes back and wins a race. Then it's a mute point, and then he's in the playoffs, and you know, off they go. But there is some thing. It's so hard to follow all the elements and that make up this, you know, this stuff that's going on. So you know, again, I, I don't know. I'm sure I could really followed it back when I was the team manager. It was so, it was just, it was hard, you know, to understand. And it's, you know, there's just so many, you know, things and, but yeah, it's, there's a lot going on there. So, you know, the teams, you know, they made a lot of, you know, a lot of choices and they're paying, you know, they're paying for it now. Right. And so it's interesting, I guess, you know, I know that, uh you know, it'll all come out in the wash. I'm sure sooner as we get further down the road and, you know, people get into, you know, Winning more races, we get further down, and who wins races, you'll start to see a clearer complexion of just the ramifications of what has happened here just recently, right? But I thought it was, you know, a good time to to kind of expand on it because we had just talked about, you know, balance of performance and all the other types of series, and you know, trying to keep the you know the the cheating at a minimum because they take away and they give to make sure that everybody's running close all the time and then you 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 go to the like the restrictor play races and you know those are those races you know are the ones that you know are the ones that are tight and they're exciting and interesting and the and the bigger and the more you cheat the bigger you know the gain and reward there is for those types of races right and there's probably
1: a much um, bigger spread because there's people that would be up in the mix that normally would not be Yes, that's correct.
0: And speaking of, you know, we, we were just talking about, you know, all the types of, you know, things that happen to these races and you, and we were talking about, I think the lack of respect, you know, we've talked about that before, but I think this kind of like, we can kind of expand on that to some degree as well, because, you know, we were just talking about, you know, how, like it used to be when I was driving and the guys that we had in there, you know, we, you know, the Mark Martins and the Dale seniors and, you you know, Tara the Bonnie and Bill Elliott and, you know. Daryl Waltrip. Daryl Waltrip. Allisons. Allisons, you know, Richard Petty, uh, you know, Dale Jarrett, you you name it, all the guys, right? And, you know, you raced those guys like you wanted to be raced. And that's, you know, the way that you really kind of looked at it. Right.
1: And if you didn't, they'd set you to rights. Yeah.
0: If you, if they didn't, I mean, there was, you know, you know, you knew that you were going to get wrecked at some point. Right. And at the same time, you weren't going to take what they gave you. And, you know, we, it did come down to fistfights and I certainly have been in, in that, you know, so we had our, our disagreements and we had those things happen and it come to blows at times. But for the most part, you just tried to, you know, I guess, inflict that upon them and and show that you weren't going to take it. And that kind of set a precedent for you that, you know what, you give me that, I give you that, right? And if you race me clean, then I'm going to race you clean. And so I think there was a lot of respect.
1: There was an unsaid level of respectability out there on the track. That's correct. That I'm not going to take you out for the win.
0: Yeah, that's correct. And right. I think that was, I, I think you see, if you watch any of the real old races or even, you know, the early 2000s, that you, race, you really see that. I think you still saw that where, you know, guys wouldn't use somebody up to win the race, you know, and, and that's just the way they race. And I think you had to have, you know, whether you liked them or you didn't like them, you had to have respect for them to take a second place by not going out there and just wrecking somebody for the win. And that is not the case today i don't care you know in any way shape or form
1: well kyle bush obviously agrees with you baby
0: yeah well i mean that's 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 correct i think recently obviously there's been some you know some things put out that you know some videos that you know i guess kyle had met with the you know the uh, media and was talking about just that you know reiterating what i just said basically that you know there was a time that you know, he got sat down and, and got spoken to, and, you know, they went through, you know, the do's and the don'ts and why's and, and all that. And, and it resonated with him. And, you know, I think he is
1: one of the drivers, whether you love him or hate him, he is definitely one of those drivers that does not take out people for position or for the win. I mean, he doesn't intentionally wreck people.
0: No, I, I think that, I think that is true. I think he, you know, he was very aggressive early on, you know, just as, as Kurt was. Right. I think, but, um, you know, Kurt got smacked in the mouth, you know, by doing some <laughs> of the things he did and maybe learned a lesson, maybe not. But, uh, I think, you know, I think Kyle, same thing. If you really watch Kyle, I mean, it, ultra talented guy in, in superb equipment. And he's never really had to resort to doing that to a great degree. He's every, he's given it stuff back and they've been in fist fights and he's been in disagreements. And when you're up front buying for wins and, you know, and, and at that level of manipulation with the race cars and the air, you are going to have miscues. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to, you know, you know, get the car's going to get out from underneath you and you're going to make a mistake and then, you know that's when the ensuing problems and disagreements happen because i've always said you can't put three race car drivers or three owners together and come up with the same story on any one wreck so that's the truth in my opinion and it'll never change and so but that i think that's true i think he's been one of those guys that has kind of like been able to do it without you know, without causing that kind of major grief,
1: and he even said that there used to be mentors in the sport, and he kind of admitted that I may may not have been one of these great mentors. I've just told the guys within my organization at KBM, you know, the respectability clause, if you will. But he said there used to be those veterans of the sport that you respected as a rookie coming in, and then even as a less experienced driver, you just had that level of admiration for those drivers on the track. And you did not, you know, mess with them unless they deserve to be messed with. And like you said, if you're, obviously, if you are running for the same position or the win, there's going to be tit for tat up there. But, you know, some of these drivers literally take out people with no regard. And for the equipment, for the teams, for the drivers, for, for whatever. And that is, I think, a a lost um, you know, art, if you will, or lost a characteristic of the sport that used to be there, that is no longer there now. And you can definitely see it. And you can definitely see it with the other series. I mean the Xfinity and the truck series. My goodness. Um, that Atlanta uh, truck race was like bumper cars and I mean you could even couldn't even watch a green lap almost without wrecks, just constant. And of course that comes with an experience. But you see that these Xfinity drivers, it used to be when we ran um, our Bush series and you were the driver owner, there was a lot of cup drivers that were in the Xfinity series as well. Um, You know, Bush to Nationwide um, and then Xfinity. And you still saw the respect there. There wasn't near the wrecks and constant cautions as there are now. And so I think that um, that's one of you know, the supporting um, arguments to this, to this position as well, don't you?
0: Yes, I do. I, it was indicative, I think, this past weekend, if you did watch you know, all three races, the truck race was horrendous, and the Xfinity race equally as bad, and the cup race was very, very good. I mean, I mean, obviously a little typical, a little, a little boring initially, but, you know, getting in line kind of race, but that's kind of like the, the just of that racetrack now. It's kind of like a super speedway on a half mile, on a mile and a half. And, you know, it definitely, you know, changes the dynamic of the race, but you still got guys going extremely fast, tight quarters, three wide, and not tearing, taking people out to a great degree. Yeah.
1: Not caution after caution after caution. You just see the, the the level
0: of, of expertise. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But even even like you said when you talk about the truck series next for new series, it just seems like that there is a great deal of of you know uh lack of respect, you know people just taking people out. you can't get to you know a, a green white checkered even it takes you know lap after lap, caution after caution to even get through these races and you know you go three five laps and then you got a wreck on three five laps you got a wreck and then you know at the and then I think a lot of it too I guess for me is the way that you know the they they talk about it, you know, I mean, it's almost like there's even more disrespect when they get interviewed about things or they discuss the fact of what's going on, right? And it just to me, it's like a bunch of little, you know, bunch of little children. You they know? are, and, they're
1: they're just babies. And you know, it
0: really is, you know, to me, you know, there needs to be, you know, I think a change in that regard. This sport uh, at this level, in my opinion, I mean, this is the the best of the best, supposedly, right? But I'm not saying that. I mean, I think that's the part that bothers me the most.
1: It's been diluted because of the pay-to-play. It's definitely been um, diluted. And
0: and I think the problem with it too is, is you know, like you have always said, you know, the entitlement. You know, now um, it's it's it is a gift to get to these levels. A, A true gift. And if you work your tail off to get here, you relish the opportunity there and you don't need to be tearing stuff up because you know that's the only way you get faster next week is to bring back something that's not tore up and you can refine it and that's just not the case anymore so they're just throwing money at it and they come back with a brand new truck and go back at it again and you know or a car and and so it's disappointing you know to see it go I guess just being a traditionalist like myself and coming up from a different era and seeing it now it really is hard for me to swallow seeing it right and then being around some of those, those kids and seeing them. And uh, it just, I don't know. Sometimes you just kind of wonder how things have gotten um, to this stage.
1: Yeah. For example, when you first came into the Winston Cup series, if you would have gone out there and wrecked Earnhardt Sr. If you guys were say in the you know, top 10, which you were the first couple races you raced, imagine what would have happened to you. Well,
0: later in life, that's death threats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's the icon, right? I mean, it's like you know, you're talking bad about Elvis or whatever, you know. I mean, so I, but I think when I when I came into the sport, you know, I was fortunate enough that I got a, I got to race against them at a very early age, like only two years into me driving at Riverside. So you got...
1: Of course, you weren't at an early age. You were just at an early no, age for you. at an early
0: age for me, right. But I mean, but as far as in the infancy of my career, you got to race them, and you come back east a little bit, and you got to go, and then they drove your cars at certain places, Bobby Allison, Kyle Petty, uh, we had uh, Tim Richmond in our cars on the, from the Winston West deal. So we had access to those guys. And once you got back here, then there was an element of people knowing who you were and you came back here and you made a race at Richmond and you ran there. Right. And so, you know, and then you ran pretty proficiently and I think, but you still had respect for the people that you felt like were, the you know the stable fixtures in the sport that made the sport who it was the Richard Petty's the Kale Yarboroughs, the Bobby Allison the Donnie Allisons you know Buddy Baker's you know Tim Richmond Earnhardt you go right on down the line right of all those guys you know and then you're racing against Harry Gant Neil Bonnet you start talking about all those names that I was racing with and they demanded respect in my opinion and I felt like you know I could go out there and I could run with them I could I outqualified them I did things raced them but it was I felt like that. You had an obligation to give to those before you and race them with respect, race them hard. Don't give in, but with respect. So there's two ways to do
1: that. So what's the difference in racing with respect and you're saying, I'm not giving them an inch. So what's the difference?
0: Well, I think the bottom line is, is I'm going to do everything I can do to pass them, lay on them, put a tire on them, manipulate the air, pack air on them, do all the things that I have learned or am learning from them and trying to reciprocate and do under them as they've done onto me, you know, through what I've learned and parasited from them and make the past cleanly or by rubbing them or whatever and move them out of the way a little bit here. they get a wheel underneath them. That's rubbing's racing. That's fine. But for me to go out and haul off and drill somebody, put them in the fence to get by them for the for the win, I think it's unacceptable, mm-hmm. and I think that's what that we never did. Now, certainly, when I got roughed up, you know, and I got roughed up by Dale Senior, I got roughed up by Ricky Rudd, and, I, and you get roughed up by a lot of people. But those two instances, you know, we just came to blows, and where they tried to wreck me, I tried to wreck them, and you know, we came to. And then after the race, there was, you know. A Situation where you know, I've got Dale Sr. come up and talk to me on my uh, on my um, in my window, right? Because I got on my radio and I told my, my crew chief, You tell him go F himself. I said, I'm not running for a championship and I'll tear the roof off this thing, I'm not being dealt with that way. Well, then he came over, we had a discussion, and we had a mutual respect from that point on. And then Ricky and Rudd and I came to blows, and we had a lot of mutual respect and you know, uh, not uh, over, over the top friendship, but I think respect for each other we raise people clean and you know um so i think that there's times when you can do those things and come to blows and come to, and you gain respect for somebody, but you don't go out and race these people this way that you're doing now and wreck somebody for the win. You know, I think you can see more from an individual's character and integrity and their willingness to drive hard and make it done the right way. And you gain more by doing that than winning the race and looking like a complete idiot.
1: Well, and and in the lower series, you're seeing them not even wreck people for the win. They're just wrecking people to wreck people because they're in their way. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Or, or, you know, or sometimes you just wonder, you know, if they just don't have the ability, if they can't, you know, they don't understand the air. They don't understand that when they drive in the middle that you better turn right with a truck. When you drive in in between two trucks, you better turn to the right because you lose all the air off the floor, the truck goes sideways and you're going to, but either they don't know it well enough yet, or they just don't condone it, or they don't care. And they're just driving on the edge of their seat and They're just on top of the, uh, on the edge of things. Right. And so I don't, you don't know because you're not, and maybe the car's trucks, evil handling, who knows, but at some point you have to drive within your equipment and drive within your own ability. And I don't see that right now. And I think it's a disgrace. And in my opinion, they need to fix it.
1: Yeah. And I, I see too, even in the interviews and the commentators are not holding anything back. I uh noticed one of the uh, truck drivers in the truck series um, said, and he's a, he's a rookie. He is a true rookie. And uh, he basically told the commentator, I don't like being called a rookie. I deserve to be out here. And I, you know, well, if you are a rookie, you are a rookie.
0: Yeah, Yellow stripe means something. You got no experience. <laughs> and people ought to beware.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, very seldom. There's not many phenoms that come in here that just... Can do this without any experience, right? You got to learn the not air, at, not at these Especially levels. at the speed at the speedways, you know, you have to learn the air. You have to learn what the truck is. And you have to learn what how and how the cars react around other trucks, and the makes even make a difference. So there's a lot of things that they don't know, and like you say, they're either you know and arrogant, or you know they just think that they're something special, and um, you know people are telling them that and reinforcing that. So maybe they ought to try the other way around. Tell them, you know what. You might want to start reassessing your uh, values here on just how talented you really are. You keep wadding these things up every week,
1: right? Right. There's not a whole lot of real talk on uh, on uh, NASCAR commentating. I don't. I, I just hear a lot of placating and a lot of smoothing and a lot of sucking up.
0: Major sucking up. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe i will be a little butt spanking going on there. I don't know. They're <laughs> young enough; they still can be paddled. I think, but somebody needs to go to their asses. <laughs>
1: And there was your raw, real talk from Derek Cope this week.
0: You got me fired up on the, uh, on the respect deal, just because I guess that's just, it hits home so much. I think just because, you know, you just, when you go out and you're successful in a sport and you do well and you've, you know, you've struggled to get there and stay there and then you don't get respect or whatever, you know, which we've been through all that before that, you know, when you, do, when you see it, even with, you know, other people, you know, it just has a tendency to just really, I guess, bother you to the core of your being because you love the sport so much you love and you know how much it means to be there and to have the opportunity and how many people maybe are deserving to be doing it. They haven't got the opportunity or have a lot of talent, but they can't find a way to get a ticket to the dance. You really feel like that it's a, you know, that it's a disservice you know, to the to the series and to the sport by allowing this to keep, you know, being condoned. So anyways. I agree. You know, I yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Was, I guess we probably got off on a tangent there a little bit, but you know, I think that, you know, a lot of these things need to be said. I think that, you know, there comes a time when maybe not a lot of people are saying it. And I just see the sport right now, you know, where I just see the talent level not it's kind of in a lull to me. I just don't see an enormous amount of great talent there. I see adequate race car drivers, people serving their apprenticeship, doing their things, trying to learn. But I also see, you know, a level or a degree of of people not really trying to, you know, do it the right way, right? And uh, and keep the integrity of the sport where it needs to be. So, for me, that's what I think, and and that's uh, you heard it uh, here on uh, episode thirty. Of race theory. So
1: <laughs> well and I wanna tell everybody too that chapter two is going to be coming out next week. So next week no, this week. Um so we need to uh let everyone know to get on derrickcope.club or racetheory.club takes you to the same website and, um, order that chapter two, or you can just, uh, become a member of the club and then you get the entire book. Um, you get each chapter as it comes out, but you get the entire book when it is all released all at once. So anyway, um, thank you for listening. And as always, we always appreciate feedback. So please give that to us.
0: Sounds good. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time on race theory.
1: Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening. Did this episode give you some value? If so, please follow us on Facebook at Derek Cope and Instagram at Derek Cope double zero. And leave a comment or question and use hashtag race theory. We can't wait to hear from you. See you on the next episode.